Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is proudly sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes Williamsburg Oils, Core Watercolors, and their vast line of acrylics. I have to say, in most of the studios that I visit doing this podcast, I find Golden Paints. I'm often speaking with other artists about how much we love using Golden and how good the paint is. Golden's also a great company that's an employee-owned and involved in the community. You can check out their paints and mediums at goldenpaints.com. Joanne Greenbaum is an artist who lives and works in Tribeca and Long Island. She earned a BA from Bard College. Over the past 20 years, Joanne has exhibited widely in international venues, including at the Nerman Museum of Contemporary Art, the Kunsthalle Dusseldorf in Germany, and MoMA PS1 in New York, amongst many others. In 2008, a career-spanning survey of her work with a corresponding catalog was mounted by House Constructive in Zurich, Switzerland. In 2018, the Tufts University Art Galleries at the School of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, Massachusetts, mounted Joanne Greenbaum, Things We Said Today, a comprehensive solo exhibition that traveled to the Otis College of Art and Design in Los Angeles. Joanne is the recipient of numerous awards and fellowships, including the Gwendolyn Knight Lawrence Award from the Academy of Arts and Letters, the Joan Mitchell Foundation Grant, Artist in Residence at the Chinati Foundation, the Paula Krasner Foundation Grant, and the John Simon Guggenheim Memorial Foundation Grant. She just closed a show at Texas Gallery in Texas and has an upcoming solo show next year at Richard Tellis and also one at Rachel Offner Gallery in New York. I visited Joanne at a Tribeca studio to talk about starting from scratch, putting in time, waiting for your moment, and a lot more. Here's our conversation. Okay. But it right. sounds good in here. Okay. It's nice. Yeah, this is nice because it's quiet. Yeah. A little street isn't bad, but it's nice to have because you feel like, oh, I know. When I first started, I was really self-conscious about, because I used to mm-hmm. play a lot of, I still play a lot of music and do recording and stuff. So you want to be a perfectionist and, you know, right. everything sounds perfect. Right. And I was like, well, it's kind of nice when you listen to it and you hear the train go by or you hear stuff. So I feel like. It's, well, that's where, where I live in Long Island. I live right near the train tracks. Yeah. So I hear the trains go. I mean, there aren't that many of them, but it's like marks my day. Right. To you hear like, the train at like, oh, 5.30 a.m. No, it's twice or three times a day. Oh, yeah. The L-I-double-R? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't spent a lot of time in Long Island. Well, this I'm in Greenport, which is all the way at the end on the North Fork. That must be nice. So it's really uh, quiet. Long drive, though. Eh, two hours. It's not bad. It's funny because two hours, like that seems, I think when you get to the end of the island, you think, oh, that's a long ways. But No, but it's an hour and a half to Riverhead and then it goes, then you're in the country. Right. So then you have like 45 minutes. No traffic. No traffic. So. And it's probably nice and relaxing. And it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's just beautiful. And I have a studio there. So in addition to this. Is the, the North, sorry, I don't know much about Long Island. That's all right. Is the North Shore less. North Fork. North Fork. Is it less weather severe than the South Shore? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) 
but this is weather pretty it's good? It's not weather f- severe. Oh, that's not, good. No. Yeah. So you're it's not dealing nice. with it. No. And then is the studio part of, is it a separate I building? just rent a house. No, I just rent a house. And, just work and the it. first floor is just, I just made into a studio. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Don't you think Small. it's important to be able to get out of the city? For me, it totally changed my life and my work. Like I was um, here in New York and then I was living a lot in Europe and going back and forth uh, from Germany a lot. And I lived in Berlin a little bit. And at some point I came back and probably because there was so much uh, construction in Tribeca of these like gigantic towers towers, and it was 24 hour a day construction and noise i just i just couldn't take it yeah and i just so somebody said so i knew about the north fork and i knew about this place in the country and and i just went out there and and I knew some artists that had been out there and that and I knew some of them that rented year round mm-hmm. and it wasn't so expensive. So I went out and called a realtor and found a, a pretty inexpensive house to rent. That's nice. For a year. I mean, I've been there now three years and I'll just hopefully I can just continue to rent it. Do you go out every weekend? Almost. Yeah. I try. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I have something in town, I'll stay, but. Right. Pretty much that gets rarer. Like I just, sometimes it's just priority now to go. Yeah. Oh, it must be so nice though to just be able to exhale. It's nice, but also <laughs> I think that um, I work differently there. I work smaller, because, obviously, because yeah. the studio is smaller. I mean, I can't make these size paintings there because they wouldn't even fit through the door. Yeah. But so I work smaller and no one ever sees what I do and it's... It's just sort of silent, and I just try things out. Yeah. And I also make sculpture there because I bought a kiln with a friend of mine oh, nice. out there. Yeah. So we, it's at his studio, but we split it. Right. So I make stuff there, and then I drive it over to his studio to, to fire. Did you always do ceramic? No. Um, I started... Um, in like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. just playing around. I mean, I wasn't really, um, I didn't think of myself as any kind of sculptor or ceramist. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. But I just had this feeling I wanted to work three-dimensionally. So I kind of just kind of just made little sort of toy, toy-sized things. Yeah, just, just to around. kind of like scratch an itch, playing around. And then I actually liked it. And so I enrolled in some classes. Just to Out lo- there? Or no, in no, the in the city, yeah. Greenwich House Pottery. And I just took hand building classes and I just watched what people did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm basically, even though I took classes, I'm basically self taught just by looking at what people did. Because yeah. most of the people there at that time were making functional objects or super realistic things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was trying to make. I didn't know what I was making, but I was just, you know, making abstract sculptures. And so I just continued year after year and kind of learned how to put something together. Yeah. Did you ever do work with clay as a kid? 
Not really. You know how a lot of times in like art class, they'll just give you a couple wedges? They never <laughs> did where I went to high school. Where did you or, grow up? Uh, Westchester. Oh, yeah. I grew up in Larchmont, Mamaroneck. You're a lifer. New that's Yorker. Right. Well, that's, cons- <laughs> it's not real. Yeah, yeah, the but suburbs. It's, it's New York, though. It's New York, but yeah. it's, the, and then of course, I then I went to Bard College, which is, you know, but at that time, it wasn't what it was now. What was your school growing up? Did you have a good kind of art class experience or were you really I mean I was always good in art yeah but I was never particularly encouraged I did take oil painting lessons from you know a local lady yeah were your parents creative no not at all Mm -mm. so you broke the mold I yes I think so but no I was always just obsessed like really obsessed and so I would you know I would just you know, research on my own and go to museums and things like that. In the uh, city, so you would come down to the mm-hmm, city? Yeah. How old were you when you started doing that? Like 12, 13. Yeah. I mean, in those days, you could, you could, you were allowed to go by yourself. Which seems crazy, right? Cause it seems crazy now. I don't know any parent that would <laughs> now allow a 12-year-old kid to take the Metro North. And it seems a lot safer into nowadays. Into the city... You know and just what I mean? go by and come back by dinner. Yeah. But I did. <laughs> and I wasn't terrified. No one ever told me to be careful. It was just like, go to Grand Central, then you walk to MoMA or the Met or, you know. But it must have been a little shadier. That I'm no, not, not... Not to date you exactly, but, you know, the city's cleaned up a lot in the last yeah, 15 but, to but 20. Yeah, but walking from Grand Central to MoMA... Yeah, it's not that... Was just yeah. walking... Up Fifth Avenue. Right, yeah. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like dangerous. I didn't go downtown or anything. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's like yeah, the I didn't, west I, down No, there. I didn't, I just walked, you know, I was like a good girl. I just, yeah. you know, dutifully walked to the museum and looked and came home. Right. Yeah, times have changed. Yeah, definitely. Parents would be arrested. They probably would be. They'd be <laughs> locked away. <laughs> Their for, kids would be taken away. Yeah, child endangerment. That's right. How could you That's send so your? Funny. And it's so much safer now. It probably is. Yeah. But would you send your your no. kid in a year somewhere by himself? No, no. he still probably wouldn't. I still drop him off at school. Right. So. And it's a perfectly fine commute. Right. But, but what you know, when I lived in Berlin, you'd see kids would go all over the place by themselves at very young ages. Yeah. There's this, there's this show in Japan and it's it's basically a film crew follows like a family will send their young kid to the like to the t- it's usually out in the uh-huh. in the suburbs or outside the city and they'll send their kids who are like three or four and send them to the town to like buy something and they uh-huh. do it it's amazing That's <laughs> but amazing. that would never happen here oh god no, no. people would call the police like, yeah immediately <laughs> I mean, they do have a film crew watching them. So, right, but still. But still, it's early. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's a different environment, right. I think, especially in New York. We have this kind of fear. Mm-hmm. Although lately, I feel like when I go out, like I was just out in New Jersey for the holiday, mm-hmm. and we went to the mall. And for some reason, I always feel a little weary at the mall. Oh, I can't. Like something's going to happen there. Oh, I don't feel like anything's going to happen, but I just get... Um like mall brain. Yeah. Like my brain just becomes sort of just numb and tired. Yeah. I get that too. <laughs> like mushy. Yeah. I just can't go anymore to that type of thing. Yeah. 
kids. <laughs> they bring you out of your I don't element. have any. I just have a dog. Yeah. So. <laughs> he doesn't care about them all. No. <laughs> so when you were growing up and you started doing creative things in mm-hmm. art school and stuff, did you think, when did you have a moment or did you of like, oh, this is what I want to do? Or was it just a passion that... No, I think that I always knew I was an artist from maybe age five on. Not that I knew that that what that meant or what my life would look like at all. I had no, you know, I had nothing to go by, but I always felt like I was an artist. I was not a great student. I was never, even when I went to college, I was never the best artist at all. I never got the rewards or the the awards. Best in show. Never, never. Um, you know, I was always under the radar, um, but I think that when I first moved to New York, I just kind of just, I didn't go to grad school, didn't even apply, you know, I just set up my studio. Got the work? Just got to work from did a you very have, early age. Well, did you have people that were doing that? Or, I mean, yeah, how I had did, friends, yeah. but a lot of those people I'm not even friends with anymore. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I had some, yeah, I had good fr- some friends who were artists. So I had a community, but I never, um, so like, you know, like in the 80s, let's say, I con- worked all the time I had a full time I had jobs mm-hmm. because I had to support myself creative no no worked in offices my whole life paid the bills paid the bills had insurance whatever but so because of that because I had to work for a living I almost never participated in the art world as it was let's say in the 80s yeah. I going just, down the Broadway and I mean, I went to galleries, I saw things, I, you know, occasionally I would, you know, bring a set of slides to somebody. No, I knew it existed, I was part of it, but part of it in such a peripheral way. Like, I think at some point I realized, or maybe I just realized now that even though I was the same age as a lot of people that were showing, it wasn't my time. Right. It just wasn't my time. You just hung back and did I your just thing. hung back and really did my work um, and had a life. Were you um, were you socially active as far as like music? Were you going out to see nope. bands or nope. anything? Or nothing. Plays? I never went to... Nope. I, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm boring, but I'm very... I was just committed to, to making art all yeah. the time. And also because I had a full-time job, the minute I wasn't at those jobs, I was in the studio. Yeah. So I didn't have time. Plus, no, I never went to a club. I never went to music. I never went to plays. I read and I painted yeah. and drew. That's all I did. And then um, that's all I did, pretty much. And go see art. And go see art. Did you keep the museum thing up? Like you always went to the museums? Yeah, yeah. Always went to museums. Always went to galleries. It just wasn't my time. Yeah. Like the 80s just just wasn't, I don't know. What were you making in those days? um, And were you here? I was in New York. I lived at that point. No, not in this space. I moved into this space in 91. Yeah. So I was in the Lower East Side. Um, right on the park, Forsyth between Grand and Broome. Right. I had an apartment, 
and I worked in the apartment. And then at one point, I got the storefront of the building. Oh, that's nice. Was my studio, which is now I think either a gallery or a restaurant. Yeah. Or, I don't know. It's weird how long how that area has changed. Totally too. changed. Yeah. But when I was there, it was really dangerous. That yeah. park. You don't go hanging out. I did not go out past nine or ten o'clock, and it was scary. Yeah. It was a lot of drugs, really scary. Prostitutes, drugs. Um, it's an amazing how they just gangs just got cleaned up. It's so clean there. It's kind of it's so funny. But anyway, I was over there and just uh, just doing my work, you know, kind of you know, and also I just never, I you know, just because I I've, I think I've always been socially anxious that I was just too scared to participate yeah. in whatever scene was going on. I'm not somebody that's in scenes. I've never been, you know, even like the, the people that I'm friends with now or even the people that I was friends with then, I just never participated in a scene. Yeah, you just did your thing. Did, right, but when you don't participate in a, th- in a scene, you don't get the benefits right. of that either. And I kind of knew that it's like, I don't know, I guess I felt like I always knew that that it would only be through my work right? that things would happen to me. Not the social circles. No. So like, that's I why you felt I like didn't... you were on that outer ring when you right, were... Right, right. Because I just, it's not, you know, by the force of my great social personality right. that I'm going to make things happen. Yeah. Like it was, I always just knew I just have to keep working and... You know, and then maybe, you know, I'll something will happen. And it, you know, and I had to do some work for that too. I mean, I had at some point to say, okay, you have to start, you know, going out and meeting people, and and that happened much later after I had basically moved to this loft yeah. in '91, and also went through a divorce. Mm-hmm. That I think that I just got out a little just more. Just got out and realized, okay. It's time. And also, I think maybe I felt my work was ready. Yeah. You know. I, well, in, in the 80s, what was your... Oh, that's right. You asked you me that. Um, I was doing abstract work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at some point in the maybe to the li- in the late 80s, I totally stopped doing what I was doing mm-hmm. and, and started from scratch. And maybe, actually, maybe it was like more like 91, 92. I just totally scrapped whatever I was doing and started with nothing. And that felt really good. And that's actually when I started showing that that work that came out of that period when I totally scrapped what I was doing and started from very bare, Mm -hmm. bare, spare paintings. Where was your first show? My first show in a commercial gallery was D'Amelio Terrace oh, yeah? in 97. God, where was that space? Soho? No, that was Chelsea, 22nd Street. Oh, they were there in 97? Mm-hmm. They opened in 96. And I had... They opened in late 96, like in the fall of 96. Yeah. And then I had... I showed like in February of March of 97 and that was my first real show in a commercial gallery. Well, how did they find you and your work? Um, through a friend. Yeah. I think they were looking 
they, the, the D'Amelio and Taras, they were the directors at Paula Cooper. Yeah. And then they left and started their own space. I think I, I think a, a friend um, said, oh, you should go look at this Joanne's work. Yeah. And I think just fortuitously they were open to studio visits. I think that's really just, just because let's just... Let's get started. Let's go started. Right? Let's yeah. go look. So they came. So one of the one of them came, and it was a good visit. And then I didn't. Then they were just making the you know constructing the gallery. I didn't hear anything, and I never, you know, expect. I I don't know. I just didn't, didn't think, think anything. What didn't yeah. think about it. And then I remember I got a phone call and said, "Well, we're ready to open the gallery. Let's can my partner come?" So then. They both came and, and that basically was here. at that point you're here, here yeah. in this studio, yeah. So that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. And then they tried me out in the back room and they got good response. And I think my work was um, at that point different mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. And didn't look like anybody else's work. And so that's just kind of how that happened. That's how it started. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been. Working ever since. Been working ever since, <laughs> and changing, ev- changing every year. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> you a, know, it's funny because you, I, you can see the early work in the work now, yeah, but it's, it is totally different too. It's totally different. I mean, what happened with the early work? I mean, I'm just going to say early, meaning mid '90s, was that it was very minimal and notational, and that. There was only, I mean, there was only two ways to go. Either go totally into minimalism, Mm -hmm. which I realized what I was not interested in, you know, and or bring your personality back in there and that or your own hand or bring your handwriting and your hand back in. And how can you do that? How can you make paintings, you know, about your own hand and thinking? Yeah and make the paintings you want to make because I think still I mean even though you know you're looking at all these paintings around you and you see a lot of stuff happening I think in my head I still strive for that kind of minimal yeah. thing going reductive. on reductive yeah. I mean I think it's more in my head than on the painting but I still think very reductively I feel like a lot of artists have that where you kind of have a, you feel like you have a sensibility or you're drawn to a certain way of working. Right. But then you have an intuitive process that contradicts that a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm, or I'm always trying to break my process yeah. and see and tease my prog- process or see what I can get away with. Um, because I'm not interested in, I mean, it, I mean, you look at this stuff and there's a lot on the painting, but I'm not interested in crazy paintings or I'm not interested in, busy all over work at all and that but I still just follow my instincts to fill up to work on a a space I mean I guess I mean I really can't stand the word performative anymore in terms of abstract art but there is a performative aspect to what I do right it's a collection of it's, it's like thoughts, activities. movements, activities, you know, games. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I just take a pencil or a, a marker and just cross the whole thing out or just 
start drawing on top of the painting in yeah. a way to obliviate that painting or, or to, to sort of sometimes say, oh, I don't even take this that seriously, so I'm going to just, you know, graffiti on my painting. Right. I mean, in fact, this one, this black one that you're looking at, like to me that it just wasn't working and um, I just took that black magic marker and just, and then uh, the girl that works for me was here. She was working on the computer, and I was just, she didn't look up or anything, and I was just working. And then when I finished, I, sh I said, oh, I just graffitied my own painting. <laughs> you tagged your own work. <laughs> and she goes, oh, that's great. You should leave it. It's finished. And I'm like, okay, it's done, <laughs> if you say so. Well, it's funny because process, I mean, I'm assuming process is so important to the way that you're working. Right. It's and very, it's, yeah. it's the, the dialogue that the painting has going, right? Right. It's cumulative. Yeah. You know, so like, I don't know, I have no, I don't even know how I start, but it doesn't really matter how I start a painting. Sometimes it's with drawing, sometimes it's with a color, sometimes I put a colored ground on there. Lately, I've been sticking paintings on top of paintings, mm -hmm. smaller canvases on top. And, you know, and then see what happens. Or sometimes lately, actually, I've been sticking already done small paintings on a, a big, bigger painting, yeah. and then just kind of see how happens? that happens. Yeah. So how do you stick it on there? Glue. <laughs> yeah, just glue it on. Yeah, wood glue yeah. or archival wood glue or gorilla glue. Yeah. That's all. It just stays. I mean, Stay hopefully, on. it'll it's just yeah, glue. Right. Like. You know, any... Gorilla glue. I think that stuff is really good. It's just like a super strong, strong wood glue. Yeah. Because canvas is so fibrous and yeah, active. Yeah, it should, it should stay. Yeah. It should stay. It I does mean, something I, really interesting, though. It creates these, like, topographical right. gestures and Well, it's fun paintings. because I think... I mean, I started doing that in my other studio in the country, and I just had, like, a whole bunch of these little paintings. And one day I just... I don't know. Maybe I'd been thinking about it. It was in, always in the back of my mind as something. And then one day out there, I just laid the paintings down and like glued them on and just started playing around a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's so since it is so process oriented and, and really about you making like real time decisions and stuff, what do you feel like is, is the sort of look, the color, the iconography, like what's happening visually? Is it purely kind of free form or do you feel like there's references of like daily life that you're bringing into it or things that you're interested in looking at or how yeah, does, how does that happen? I think it's daily life. I think it's more that obviously I am um, concerned. I mean, I do concern myself with a certain iconographic vocabulary of geometric architectural things shape line. shapes lines. right yeah. i mean i i'm pretty committed to not being a representational artist you're succeeding right <laughs> right but i mean i mean i don't rule it out yeah. ever you know i don't rule anything out i'm just saying that i'm comfortable with the language of abstraction right. i'm comfortable not making hybrid paintings or not referencing real things in the real world yeah um so that i'm very comfortable with so that as a default somehow allows me 
to be very free mm-hmm. with color, materials, because um, I'm not worried. Yeah. You know, I don't worry about what my paintings are about. Um, yeah, it's just you know, making paintings. I don't have anxiety about what does this mean or is this relevant to today's world? Of course it is. Yeah. You know, and and of course it's... And so I think that, you know, a lot of it comes just from my own, you know, I wouldn't say daily life, but maybe daily thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of it is, I mean, there was a lot of, Somebody, I was was talking to somebody recently. We were talking about anger, and someone said, "Oh, is there anger in your work?" And I said, "Of course there is. How could there not be? <laughs> right? You know, how can it they not be about being angry? Of course, we're. I mean, we're all angry, but you know, as a female, you know, I have there's so much anger there that you know, even though I make somewhat, I wouldn't say pretty pictures, but I think." Enjoyable to look at. Enjoyable to look at pictures. It doesn't mean there's no content there. It doesn't mean right. there's no emotion there. It doesn't mean there's no anger there. You know, well, so... There's, there's a beauty in... Right. I mean, if you look at a protest march, right. there's a real beauty to yeah. those signs and that collective action. Oh, the Even, signs were so great right? in all those... Yeah, yeah. In all the protest marches. I mean, that was like the best... Like it's when I went, fun to look at. When I went to the women's march, the first yeah. one in... In you D.C., know, yeah. I mean, the, the signs were just... That was just the best part of the whole thing. Yeah, and I made signs, and it was so much fun. Right, um, even though it is a very serious, yeah, yeah, and urgent matter, but there's right. still. But the signage and the handwriting. I mean, that's something that I'm very interested in. Is is my handwriting? Yeah, you know, and you could even. I mean, I'll just sort of. I mean, I make books. Yeah. I mean, one thing that you know is a huge thing that I do now is that I make books. Handmade artist um, handmade books. Handmade yeah. artist books. And they're very these are very much about like writing and just kind of like getting that energy yeah. out. Right. Because you can't always put it in a painting. Yeah, yeah. Um so well, it's more raw too, right? right. I mean paper. I just kinda just sit sometimes I'll just have the T V on and I'm watching the news and I'm just like scribbling in the book. Yeah. And then I and then I get obsessed, and then I just like oh I'm gonna just do a whole book today, right? You know, yeah. Well, it's drawing. <laughs> it's drawing. Yeah. It's drawing. It's not obsession. It's just drawing. Yeah. But but I like. But I mean, I think at some point the drawing and the sculpture and the painting they're all the same now. Whereas yeah. I think when I first started, let's say doing sculpture, it was very separate. And and I always drew my whole life, and it never entered the painting. And then at some point now, there, I feel like it's all the same. Yeah, I think it takes a while. It's like a stew. The yeah, longer it, it marinates and cook, it cooks, you know, it's, the I flavors mean, merge. That's the thing. It. I mean, that but that's also the beauty of getting older. You know, like I mean, I mean, I just think, you know, it's. It's kind of great. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's bad things about getting older, but the good things about getting older is that you you just don't give a shit anymore. Right. You just own whatever it it's is. It's just like, this is who I am. <laughs> I don't give a shit. You can like it. You can not like it. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to make. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't like it, 
tough. Right. You know? Yeah, I think a lot of times people advertise it as like wisdom, age and wisdom, which yeah. is kind of true. Or, you know... I don't have that much wisdom, but I just feel... You know, I think I'm getting more and more comfortable with who I am and yeah. who I'm also not. Right. You know, I'm comfortable with who I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's really liberating yeah. when you start to feel like, you know what, this is just... Like, I don't want to go uh, out tonight to an opening. I'm not going. Yeah. You know, I don't have to go if I when don't want to. When you're younger, you're like, oh, I feel like I, I feel like I'm being left out or I feel this <laughs> I or go, I got to go because if I don't if I don't show my face, da, da, da. it's like nobody knows you're there or not. Yeah. You know? Right. The world's Unless it's a good going. friend, but you know you know what I mean? It's like right. the world goes on. It doesn't matter. And 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 I think for me, I always felt it was always more important just to just stay in and work. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I mean, and if if whenever I talk to younger artists, you know, that's sort of the advice I always give is, but, you know, maybe it's not such great advice. I don't know. Well, but, it, might, it know. might be a little easier considering the fact that you have such a beautiful studio. <laughs> I do have a nice studio. Hopefully I can continue to, to, to stay here. Um, yeah. But, you know, as I said, I, I moved here in 91 with somebody and then that didn't work out. So I luckily I got to keep the place. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a real privilege to have this space. Well, I've been to a lot of studios and I've been to some real dumps right, <laughs> where, right. where I feel like the artist must <laughs> think like, man, I'm going to get in here and work and get the hell out of here. Right, right. <laughs> I've visited some of those. Right. <laughs> But then I visited some really nice ones, yeah. too. But, I mean, I'm grateful because I live here, too, yeah. and it's big enough. And, you know, I mean, you do get spoiled when you have a big studio like this. You put in the work, though. No, I put you in were the, here I, I it put in the work, believe be. <laughs> me. I worked full-time at goddamn offices, yeah. you know, almost my whole life. So, you know, You've I feel it. like I've earned whatever I have. Yeah. You know, and it, and it wasn't easy. Right. You know, I I mean, I never got anything from my family. You know, anything I have was was earned. Yeah. You know, either through my artwork or through jobs. Right. So you know, it's I mean, I've always been self-supporting. Yeah. And you know, grateful that I can live off my work now. I mean, you know, barely, but I can do it. Yeah. So. I grew up in a, a blue-collar household. It was low income, and I feel like, I don't know if I romanticize it, but I do feel like earning something, mm-hmm. like going through that phase, right, deepens or enriches the experience of life in a way to where, let's say we just graduated from a really great graduate school and that was paid for by mom and dad, right, right. and we moved to a loft in the city where mom and dad paid for it. Right. That we might not have the drive or deep. I don't know if that's BS or if I'm romanticizing um, it, but I feel like there's something about the struggle. I mean, I always had to work, and I I never romanticized the struggle, but I mean, I always knew that like no one was ever going to give me anything, yeah. so I had to work really hard for it. Same with art. Same with you know whatever I've achieved. You know, through my painting you know but I mean I grew up like in a middle class home but but, I mean not working was never I mean you had to work I worked from high school I mean I had jobs in high school what was your first job oh god (laughs) I think I worked 
oh, my first job other than babysitting mm-hmm. was um, I, 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 I grew up in Mamaroneck, New York, and there was like a, a, I don't know if you remember, you probably don't, but there used to be these TV commercials of like Longines Symphonette, which were like record, it was like a record club you know, where you could subscribe to records. I remember record clubs. Yeah, it was like a record club for classical music. Yeah. And I think I got a job in, like, the factory. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was very long that I was there, but, you know, and then I waitressed for very... I was never a good waitress. Right. But, I mean, you know, I just did did things. I worked at the Cloisters. I worked at the Whitney. But never in anything curatorial. Always, like, in the membership office yeah. or... You know, right. nothing. And then I left those jobs very early in my 20s um, to do other things. Well, but Compiling a good resume of crappy jobs really right. gives you I've a good had, sense of I've urgency. Had, I've had my share. I even did house cleaning for a while. Yeah. I was not good at that either. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't your forte? No, absolutely not. <laughs> drawing, like, I imagine, like, the shower, no, like, drawing just, foggy drawings. It grossed drawings. me out. I mean, I just, no, it was never, never Wasn't your cup of tea. No, no. I've had a slew of jobs that was not meant for me, like roofing. Right. (laughs) Moving company. I mean, honestly, I don't even, I mean, I shouldn't say this on a, but I really even don't like teaching that much. Yeah. I mean, I don't teach. I don't have a teaching job, but occasionally I do visiting artists. But that's good because you're coming in fresh. Right, but I really, I, I mean, I've taught at Cooper, I've taught at, you know, a few places, Rutgers, and it's really hard. It isn't easy. It's really hard. Which is and funny because everyone, everyone thinks exhausting. it's so easy. It's not. Are you kidding? I my last teaching job was Cooper Union. I taught uh, advanced, what they call advanced painting. One day a week from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. You would think that would be the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. It was so hard. It's not easy. Critiquing. Yeah. Good, it's ex- it's smart, exhausting. good students. Really hard. Especially was, if you try. <laughs> yeah. And There's I a, try to be, like, good at it. Yeah. And maybe the people that don't try, I don't know, but I just, I took it seriously. Right. But because, I think because I took it so seriously, it just burnt me out. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe the key is to just not take it that seriously, but I think, I don't know. I mean, I felt like it's such a responsibility. It is. Yeah. That's like, uh, you know, I coach kids in soccer and like you could just go out there. Well, although I do it volunteer, but you could just go out there and, you know, phone it in and just be like, all right, guys, go scrimmage the whole time. But if you actually try hard. Right. I mean, these are kids' lives. Like, you're shaping them as right. humans, you know, and you're trying to teach them. And they're shaping them as artists, and, yeah, it's just, you know, and sometimes, you know, a lot of these kids, you know, would tell me what the other professors would say. Right. Or what the other visiting artists said to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, really? Right. Like, they would say that to you? I know. There's no Like, test. it always was just like, wow. You know, because I'm actually, when I do teach like that, I'm... I mean, even if someone's terrible, there's always something. I mean, I don't know. I don't believe in in breaking people down. Yeah, right. But Just a lot destroying. of teachers do. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like let me break this these people down. Right. I really do not believe in that at all. Just because people try to do that to me, 
and I really did not like it. Yeah, it's um, not the best way to I, get I the I mean, best. the best teachers that I ever had were people that, you know... Supported you? Supported me. Yeah. You Drove know, didn't you, tell me supported. I would, you know, never be anything. Right. Which, you know, I was told my whole life, you'll never be anything. You'll never be good. You'll never be this. You'll never have and you know. And I was just, it just made me madder and more determined to do something, you know. Well, does that mean it worked in some level? <laughs> it did. It must have worked in some level, I guess. Maybe they were right. No, <laughs> no but I, I, I say that all the time. Visiting artists are hilarious because a lot of times they'll come in and they're on house money. They'll just burn down the house. You know what I mean? Come in and like rip everyone a new one and leave and get the paycheck. It's like the Rolling Stones that's on gross. tour. I'm sorry. That's destroying disgusting. Destroying hotel rooms. I'm doing, I'm go, as I said earlier, I'm going t- tomorrow to do one. And Be nice. I'm always nice. I mean, I take it really seriously. It's a whole day, and you know, I have to do crits and a talk. You know, this yeah. this the thing. But I do not believe in you know coming in with an attitude no. at all. That's for people who have like a low self esteem, I think, or a, a low they ego. Com- or yeah, I don't know. They want to make is. themselves feel better by like putting other. I feel like when you your job as a teacher fundamentally is when you leave the studio, they're excited to make work. Like right. they're more excited, right? To and go they, and they want to, you know, yeah, they want to like try out some of the things you told them maybe to try or right. try a new material. I mean, because I, I mean, one of the things that I feel that I can give to younger artists and even just to myself is, I feel like I have a real knowledge about. It sounds so corny, but art materials, yeah. Like that's not corny, I have that's a, a real, cornerstone. I mean, I have a real understanding of paint and materials and brands and what you could do with oil, what you can do with acrylic, what you can do with flat. Like, I, I, you know, just because that's kind of like how my paintings are constructed at this point now. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I first started out, I only use oil paint, but now I use lots of different materials in my paintings and, you know, to get different things right you know so like right now i'm just super interested in matteness versus the oiliness yeah so i found this paint that i like from japan this like very matte matte oil matte water-based paint and you know it's like it's just super it just absorbs the light yeah so i mean you know, so sometimes you go into a student studio and you could just, they're just using the wrong materials. Right. Like, why are you painting in acrylic or why are you using such a cheap piece of paper? You know, and I'm not telling people that they should spend tons of money, but you don't have to spend tons of money. You just have to be kind of aware of what you want to make and what materials will will make that better. But I mean, that's experience. Yeah. You know, that's just experience and it's good teaching like if you're in a music school and you go into a guitar student's critique and he's playing a guitar with a quarter instead of a pick right right you might say this might sound or better. like a terrible yeah just you know like i mean that's the thing like i i love good paper you know yeah. and most people don't use good paper right you know I but know. use good paper you'll see a difference like they don't think they will but you will you see do. a difference yeah, yeah. well especially too like well, if your work is about, if you are reducing things down right. or whatever, if you're working with crappy materials, it's just like, right. you know. Right. And it also doesn't mean that, I mean, I, and it also doesn't mean that my work is not about ideas or concepts either. That's all there. Yeah. 
Um, you know, because there's like in our stupid art world, you know, people tend to just think your work is either like one thing or the other. Or political or not It's either political. Co- yeah, yeah. conceptual or not conceptual. Right. All art is conceptual. Right. You know. Just some illustrate concepts more right, than others. Right, My I, I, right. My looking, art, Looking at this painting, well, I hate people don't like when I do that because they're they not can't looking see, at it. Right. <laughs> but <clears throat> the painting that I'm looking at right now, I keep seeing in that um, tension and uh-huh. um, and like either like a mark trying to avoid another mark, almost like you're walking down the street through traffic and you're trying to like right get in and out. And there's like kind of a tension to it, a little bit of irritability to it. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's like a lot of noise going on in specific areas, and that's like that sensation. So how is that not conceptual? Do you know what I mean? It is it's, conceptual, and also yeah. like the idea of um, like making your paintings. Uh, like illustrations of your thinking, yeah. you know, and and I think that I am always in a way. I mean, as mo- maybe all artists do, but I I just feel like my life has become sort of this navigation between the noise and the quiet. Yeah, and like, can I make paintings about that? About like, how do I? How am I negotiating the noise in my life versus the meditativeness or the the quiet that I strive for? amid you know all this craziness that's going on in the world right Right. now I mean it's nuts and you know it was so funny because last night I started watching the news and I just had to turn it off like I just said I can't I can't do this one more day I need a break I've been taking like a three-year break from the news. Well, that's good because I, I'm obsessed. But I, but anyway, so last night I said I can't watch these refugees at the border, <sighs> and it was like so upsetting that they were gassing them. I said I can't even look at this. So I ended up, you know, watching like the Real Housewives of Atlanta, <laughs> which was pretty damn good. You know, <laughs> I haven't seen it. But, but I mean, I was, you know, I mean, I just like I have to do like I have to. Right. Watch this junk. Yeah. Just I have to to cleanse, you know, and at the same time I'm watching that I'm drawing. Yeah. You know, and so like that's kind of like how my life is right now. Yeah. You know, sort of just negotiating how to keep sane half the time. Yeah. Well, that's what happens too. I think when you're as we as a society is inundated with information all the time, you have to filter out and there's sometimes a feeling of irresponsible like right. active like i'm not going to pay attention to the really awful news but if you if you didn't you would just be watching and be depressed 24 right, right. hours a day yeah and there's there would never be enough time to like intake all the crappy stuff i know but you know what's i mean remember well maybe you don't but i remember like you know when there was no the only thing we had was an answering machine. Oh, I remember pre-answering machine. Pre-computer. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was working in an office and they brought in computers for the first time. I mean, that was like a huge thing. Yeah. I was you know? in I was in my first either well, maybe my second year of undergraduate school. Right. When a friend of mine was like, "Hey, we got to go to the computer computer labs where right, there's like right. five computers." And he's like, it's and you called, have to d- and dial in, it's and called the internet, di- and you have to dial up, yeah. and that <laughs> yeah. noise. Remember the noise? Yeah, yeah. It was like he's like, there's this thing called the internet, and he like wanted to load. <laughs> he loaded a web page. It was like an, an image from outer space or something, and it took like 20 minutes to load, right, and right. you couldn't even see it. But you know, 
that was it was like in college. But I mean, in those days, I mean, yeah, I was working, and it's funny though because I have to say now, I am quieter inside than I was then. Yeah, because when you're young, you know. Yeah, it all bubbles out. It's just you're so not at peace. Right. Like I've only been at peace very rec- very recently. You know. It's exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe. Life exhausts you to point know to where it is. Like, but I just feel hey, like, you know, a peacefulness that's only been there, you know, four or five years or yeah. so. I'm not there yeah. yet because I think ha- the whole like having a young child. Yeah, you there's maybe a little you more unrest. Yeah, yeah. I just have the, 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 the chihuahua. He, he, he's pretty good right now. He's behaving. Yeah, he does. He behaves at studio visits. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's being a good boy. Um, so with your current work, mm-hmm. what, what are you working for now? You have an upcoming show right um, next year. In, yeah, I Is have, that public information? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do a show with Rachel Uffner in the fall of 219. Mm-hmm. I had a show that just closed in... Texas at Texas Gallery just closed a couple days ago in Houston. Was it uh, big work and small work, Sm- or medium and yeah. big, and 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 a vitrine of artist books? Um, and then I am going to do a show in Los Angeles in this spring uh, with Richard Tayus Gallery, That's and exciting. I don't yet know what I'm going to do. Probably paintings, but I don't. He has a his his space is, um, it's small but it's very elegant with very high ceiling and a skylight. So it's yeah. like just one of those beautiful small galleries. You so gotta figure out like I'll what? figure out what I'm gonna do. Last time I did the show there, um, I just did four large paintings. I don't want to do the same thing, yeah. so I might do something else I don't I haven't figured it out yet but yeah so I have stuff and then I'm gonna do I do and then next week I'm doing I'm not going but Rachel Uffner is doing an installation of sculpture at NADA art fair so uh, um, in Miami in Miami I'm not going I but I set it up on the floor and took a picture nice so I didn't have to go (laughs) The install overview. I yeah, I mean, if I would have gone, I mean, I would have gone just to install, and would have come right back. I right. wouldn't have stayed. That's just not my thing. You're not a South Beach. Well, it's probably nice there. Well, I the just weather. Said the, it's it's the art fair. I I really have no interest. I've only gone a couple times, maybe two or three times. But when I right. do, I stay really far away from it. Right. And by the beach, so I can right. wake up every morning and. Yeah, walk I mean, the beach. I think maybe if I would have gone but the, the the actually one of the, the main reason why I couldn't go is because next week I'm starting a glass project. Oh that's cool. Here yeah. in the city? In Westchester. Yeah. There's a there's a place, this is glass place called Bullseye mm-hmm. and they have studios, glass it's like you can buy glass there, but they also have an artist in residency program which I applied for and got and so I'm going to start going once a week to make glass sculpture. I have no idea how it even works. Well, you'll but, have people to help. Yeah, they'll help. But also, I mean, I did go one night just to learn how to cut glass. Yeah. 
Um, I've seen a lot of video on it. I've never yeah, done and they it. have videos. It's beautiful. So I'm going to start this week. I'm, this weekend, I'm going to sit and watch the videos just because I need to get some idea of what I can actually do in glass. Right. I mean, I know I want to cast glass. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do glass blowing there. It's mostly casting right. and melting glass and maybe putting glass together. Mm-hmm. So That seems like it would... Be in your It'll be, house. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm really excited about it. And also the colors are, um, like, you go to this place and it's like the colors are just unbelievable. Totally different too, right? Because of the it's totally you know, different. luminosity of glass. So, I'm, yeah, I'm just curious how I'm going to negotiate that, but I'm excited about it. But anyway, that starts next week, so I had a good excuse not to go to, to set up my pieces and they that, can do that. That's valid. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So and so you have your TV. Do you leave that on while you work all the time? Sometimes, or? usually no. Are you a usually, big computer person? No. Yeah. Sometimes I don't turn the TV. I mean, yes, I do have a TV in my studio. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a confession. <laughs> well, some people are very holy about their studios. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not at all one of those people. Also, I live here. Yeah. So the studio is my living room. Right. And, I, you know, my kitchen's in there and my room where I sleep is in there and up there is sort of storage. Yeah. But, you know, basically this studio is where I do everything. Even when I cook dinner, I bring it in right. here. Yeah. And that's just you how live I live. You live with your art. I live with my art. So, and I live alone. So, you know, this I'm kind of super happy about that. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I do, everything is like together, Yeah. you know. I don't really separate it out. I've ne- actually have never had, other than when I was the artist in residence at the Chinati Foundation, did I have a separate studio? Yeah, and that was really cool. I'm sure that was amazing. It was amazing. Anywhere near John Wesley is good territory. Well, for it me. was just so <laughs> they're so generous in what the space that they give you. Yeah, I mean they give well, you an apartment. Yeah. They give you an apartment that's he- that could be the studio. Right. If they said, this is your studio, I'd be like, wow. But that was just the apartment on the Chinati grounds. Then they give you a whole building in town. How long were you there? Like three months. Oh, must have been good. It was pretty great. The I mean, dry that heat, was in right? se- Yeah, it was in 07. <laughs> it was like cold at night, hot yeah. during the day. Anyway, that was really great. But for the most part, I've always lived and worked in the same place. I've yeah. always set that up. I mean, sometimes it was necessity. You know, when I had like an apartment and no, you know, couldn't afford a studio, but I, I just, I don't know. I just like living with my work. I think you, and you adapt to your way of doing right, it. Right. So right. you get used to that. I mean, I'm you have used a, to it. You have a great commute. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a few steps. Right. Yeah. But you know, it's just what I'm used to. Yeah. And I'm sure people that have separate studios like that too, for whatever reason. It's just that for me, this is kind of just. I'm a homebody. I think a lot of people could make this work. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So people can find your work on your website. Yes. And you do Instagram. I do do Instagram. I actually also have a Tumblr. Oh, wow. Which I don't think anyone uses anymore. Actually, I I did see your Tumblr. But I love Tumblr because, I mean, I hardly ever go to it. But whenever I see something I like, I put it on Tumblr. And sometimes I put... I, I love putting images on Tumblr and it comes in 
it really comes in handy when you teach. Yeah. Because I found that when I was teaching at Cooper, I would like one time I just did a class where we went through my Tumblr, which isn't only my work, it's just yeah, other people's work at, and yeah. my own work. And I also love to take pictures of studio shots. Mm-hmm. So I put them on my Tumblr. So it's, I mean, Tumblr's just a great collection of images that you can have yeah. and kind of cumulatively keep over the years. Um, you know, I don't look at other people's tumblers. I just keep my own. You do yours, yeah. But I like it because sometimes you can just kind of see, you know, without having to go on Instagram, like just these are the, this is just a collection of images that I like. Yeah. And that I I put together. And yeah, so yeah, I do that. Is that linked on, through your website? Yes. Okay. So, so if, if you go to the website on the contact page, it says Tumblr. Okay, so you can go to that as well. That's it, pretty much. Yeah. And your upcoming show. An upcoming show. And uh, LA, New York, and yeah. Yeah. And Instagram is your name? Um, your handle? I think so. Let me just check <laughs> before check? we sign off. <laughs> Let's see. Instagram. Sorry. Yes, just my name. At your name. Got it. Just my name, at Joanne Greenbaum. Right. Thanks a ton for having me over. Oh, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Sound and Vision is recorded, produced, and edited by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find more about the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com. At the website, you can find images that I take from the artist studios or at the galleries where they're having exhibitions. And you can also find more information about getting a tote bag or donating to the podcast. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes if you can. It really helps the podcast. Also as well, we are now available on Spotify. All you have to do is click the podcast section and search for Sound and Vision. Thanks to Jacob 2-2 for the music, the intro and outro music. And thanks to Michael Lovett for his introduction. You can check out his music at Metronomy and Nazca Lines. Many thanks again to our sponsor, Golden Paint. You can find out more about Golden Paint at goldenpaints.com, and you can find their products anywhere where you find art supplies. You can follow Sound and Vision on Instagram at Sound and Vision Podcast, and you can find out more about my work at paintchanger.com, or follow me on Instagram at Alfred Studio. Thanks for your support.